but uh, I want to say thank you for being here. If you're a guest, thank you for being our guest. We don't take it lightly, and it is definitely an honor to have you here. Hopefully, if you have any questions while you're here, uh, you'll ask them, and we can hopefully answer them. And um, man, what a week it has been and is going to be. Uh, the events that have unfolded last week, and then uh, we were headed back from the Gulf area, and it looked like a hurricane was chasing us. And so definitely uh, a lot of people were trying to get out of Dodge, and um, it was uh, something to be praying for. We're praying for it uh, again this morning, and um, I, I just everything going on in the world, everything happening, and that song that was just sung, it, it just hopefully spurs us and reminds us that this is all temporal. It's all temporal. Uh, we, we, we don't need to live our lives like this is everything. Uh, because he is everything. He is the prize. He is the goal. Just, just like that song said, you, you, you fought your fight, your race is run, and man, that's the prize. That's the ultimate. That, our theme this year has been pressed toward the goal, and the goal is not some human, earthly, worldly achievement. The goal is Jesus Christ, and we have a responsibility to live our lives as his children, as his ambassadors of his kingdom, his re representatives, shining lights, salt that affects and enhances and preserves us all the things that he's called us to be and and i, I hope that we grab hold of that because i, I have a, a real strong inkling that um, things are just going to progress and that's not to to be a downer or discouraging I, I think that the as i've said before the lord has called us for this this moment in time for this this period of, of his plan we're here on this earth and we have some choices to make while we're here we can either make the most of it, we can, as the Bible says, redeem the times because the days are evil, or we can spend them and waste them in vanity and miss the point of living on this earth at all. And so I hope that we grab hold of it. And if you don't have a relationship with this Jesus Christ, the one that we were just singing about, the one that we were just praising, the one that we're here for, if you don't have a relationship with him, then you're going to miss the point of even having breath in your lungs right now at all. He is the reason we live. He is the reason that we exist. He is what it's all about and i'm telling you if you've got any questions about that or concerns or struggles with that i'm going to ask you to ask those questions before you leave today but um and i, I shared last week something that was not only a burden that i have for our church um but the state of the church today and um it, it, it's something that rolls into what we're going to see today and, and if you were here you know what i was talking about i feel like there's an apathy i feel like there's a spiritual slumber the spiritual laziness that has taken hold of the church in America. And I want to say this. Uh, our pseudo-spirituality doesn't impress God at all. We can act and pretend and put on a facade of spirituality. And it does nothing to please him at all. What he cares about is if we live in sincerity with our heart and devotion to him. And that pours out in our life. That pours out in the choices, decisions, everything we do. From personal life to social media life to public life to work life it just permeates everything when we are in love with jesus and i want to challenge you this morning if you're not falling in love with jesus more and more every day you're missing the point of life you're missing the point of life and if we don't wake up as a church if we don't snap out of our spiritual spiritual lethargy if we don't get out of this, the unresponsiveness to the things of God, here, and I ask the question, do the points even matter? 
If we don't, if we don't wake up, then we're not only going to do a grave disservice to the next generation, but I believe that we're setting them up for ultimate failure spiritually. So Christian, if you are not snapped out of your spiritual lethargy, if you're not falling in love with Jesus more and more, if you're not living the life for the eternal kingdom of God, then I'm telling you right now, you're not doing your kids or anybody else's kids any favor spiritually. You're hurting them. So the question that was asked, and I'll ask again, is who will determine to set an example for the next generation that God will use to propel them to spiritual success? Who's going to set the example? Who is going to be those adults? Who are going to be those young adults? Say, you know what? This is how we're going to live, and we're going to run our race. We're going to fight our fight. Who's the example they're going to follow? Don't bank on someone else setting an example. Well, they have, you know, the, the youth pastor, they have some, some really good adults in the church, and you know, we, no, you be the one. You be the one. Be the one that sets the example. Know that the flesh of man and all of us, all of us, shoots for the lowest spiritual rung. Know that. And you, you, I know that about myself. You know that about yourself if you're in tune spiritually, that our flesh shoots for the lowest spiritual rung. What is the least amount that I can do and still feel okay in my conscience. And that's not what happens when we're full of the Spirit, though. I said it last week, man, don't miss the opportunity. One day that we have to gather and worship what we're doing right now and fellowship as a church family, don't miss it because you have something else to do. Don't miss the morning or the evening. And I talked about the evening services. It's not something, well, if we have time, we can make it. No, man, we're talking about two to three hours for God. Two to three hours for God, your God, with his people on one day. That's all we're talking. One day, two to three hours with this group of people. You have six other days. Maybe you have a group that you're in. Another two hours is spent with that group. So four to five hours a week with the people of God that you're supposed to be on an eternal mission with. Four to five hours a week with the people that God has placed you on this earth to be on an eternal mission with. I've preached and talked about this before, but I don't know any company, I don't know any team, I don't know any military that they see any success spending that little of time together. Again, we, we, we go to our jobs and we, we spend hours and hours and hours and days and days and days throughout the week. Why? Because we're on a, a mission for the company. We're on a mission to make money, to be successful, to be profitable. And we spend time and effort learning and working and sacrificing and missing out on this and doing that. We spend all this time for the world. And so why is it such a problem spiritually? Why is it such a problem to spend four to five hours a week with the people of God? To hear the same things, to encourage the same things, to, to sing the same things, to be uni unified and, and rallied or together. Listen, we, we sing these songs, you know, this is how I fight my battle. I don't know if that's true. But four to five hours a week to me doesn't seem like too big of a commitment. Especially when we have days. We have days, double-digit hours to a temporal group. And temporal efforts. So when we skip out on what we're doing right now, 
of what we're going to do, Lord willing, in a few hours this evening, I want you to hear these words because they're, it's gleaned from the word of God. We damage the body of Christ. I would say further, we, we cripple it. Not only with our absence, but with our precedent. We are setting a precedent for those who are younger that the things of God really just aren't that important. They're just not that important because we will spend money and time and energy for the things of this world like it's going out of style. When it comes to the things of God, just don't know if I have, I just, I just would rather say that because man the enemy is attacking 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 and we think our half hazard our half-hearted effort spiritually is going to hold anything against his attacks we have no and, and it's not in our power but if we're just mailing it in spiritually He's going to wreck our lives. And he's going to wreck this church. And he's going to, he's going to wreck you individually. Because I'm struggling right now with all these attacks. It's not going to do it by trying to do it yourself. It's not going to do it by pulling, pulling away. It's going, to, it's going to happen in the context of the community. Just as God designed it from the very beginning. Let's pray this morning we'll get into our text. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. And Lord, thank you for um, burdening and breaking my heart. Lord, I, I love this church so dearly. I love your, your word and Lord, I fall so short. Lord, and, and I confess and I, and I pray now before you as a congregation, we, on behalf of us, God, we fall short. We miss the mark. Lord, we are too nonchalant when it comes to your things. We approach you and your things and your church and your kingdom too often like we approach things in this world. And that shouldn't be. You are king. You are God. You are Lord. You are over all. You are sovereign. You are to be worshipped. You are to be served. We are humbled. We are honored in your grace to be your children and to be able to do anything for you. God, forgive us when we look at you in your church, in your kingdom, like it's something that can be set aside at our pleasure. Forgive us. We've done that too long. We've lived a life in this blessed country so long that we've created this mindset, this heart set, this lifestyle that it's about us. We've become narcissistic. And we realize that Christianity is Christocentric. It's all about you. It's all about Christ. Lord, help us get there. God, help us respond to your word. Help us respond rightly. Bring revival. Lord, we're never going to see revival if we keep facing the waves of attack. We keep facing the, the waves of trial and our own strength and our own flesh and keep failing and failing. God, help us to get up and help us to trust in you and help us to look to you. Help us to walk in unity and in faith and in the spirit so that you'll be honored and your your will accomplished lord bless now 
In Jesus' name, amen. I pray we take to heart what we see in Scripture this morning. As I said a while ago, I, I asked last week, do the points even matter? We're looking through Scripture and trying to grab hold of, of what God has preserved for us, what the first church looked like, and, 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 and evaluating our lives based on what it looked like in the beginning. Completely different culture, completely different time, completely different economy, uh, com- completely even in the culture and, and, and all that. The mindset, the heart set for many of these people were different because it was an Eastern culture. They had a lot of things going on, but the truths still remain. The truths are there. The things that we can glean are still very vital and important. And so in Acts chapter 11, here's what we see in verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose after Stephen. Now if you were here along that, that journey uh, earlier on in, in this study, uh, Stephen was a, a martyr. He was one of the first deacons, and, and he was serving the Lord, and he was faithful, the, one of those, those qualified men that were, that were put up in the, in, the, in the church. And this man, so bold and so trusting God in the face of adversity, preached the gospel, and it cost him his life. Again, that doesn't look like apathy, doesn't look like comfort, that doesn't look like self-preservation or narcissism, it doesn't look like any of those things. It looks like faithfulness and faith in Jesus Christ. And persecution was so severe after Stephen died that they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Remember, only the apostles, the Bible says, stayed in Jerusalem. And they, as they were scattered, the Bible says they were preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men of, from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had, had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists. Again, those are Greek-speaking Jews preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And so they said, wait a second. There, there, there are different people getting saved. There's all kinds of stuff happening. We need a leader. We need somebody that we can send and trust and find out what's going on. So they sent Barnabas to go as far as, the, as, as Antioch. And when he came and seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And many of you know that already. Uh, they, were fo- they were called followers Uh, of the way they were called disciples they were called many things but they were not called christians until here in antioch and we we understand that this term christian was not a term of endearment it wasn't that uh the the communities around them were so blessed because uh, they were handing out free stuff and there's nothing wrong with handing out free stuff i think that's a blessing but they weren't so endearing because to to call them christian because all these men these these people are are meeting the needs again nothing wrong meeting the needs this this was a name that was persecuted because they were there being followers of Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people's lives were being affected. People's lives were being turned upside down and transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. And because they were living it out, they were persecuted and they were called this name Christian. But I want you to look back at verse 21. Look what it says. It says, that even in the midst of all this, that the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. 
I've said before, man, I, I don't know about you, but you don't have to look very far. Uh, hopefully you know some people in your life and you're trying to reach them, but there, there are people that need Jesus Christ in a desperate way. And you could, man, it is so blatant, and it, and it feels like the enemy is using every source of media to try to shove it down our throats. There's so much sinfulness. There's so much ungodliness and so much unrighteousness in our world today. The world needs Jesus in a desperate way, but where's the church? Where's the gospel? Who, who, who is shining the light? Who's, who's sending it out? I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for those who are faithful. Every week I see people grabbing and, and leaving with tracks and invite cards. And every week on Saturday mornings we have a group of faithful people going out and getting the gospel to the neighborhoods in this, in this community. I'm so thankful that we are one of those churches that are committed to making sure people have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. On top of that, we do other things. We have groups that, 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 that serve the, the community and serve others and, and do things that are such a blessing to our community. But man, this is an amazing thing that God was doing through his faithful people. That sounds like a joy to me, to be in that group, that the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Have you seen someone get, get saved? Recently, have you, have, you, have you had the joy of seeing a life transformed? I want to say this. If that doesn't turn your crank more than anything else, if it doesn't turn my crank more than anything else, something's wrong with us. If you get more excited about a TV show, a sports team, anything else in this, in, in this world than a soul being born again, if I do, something's wrong with us. And I've been guilty. God forgive us. The hand of the Lord was with them. This is eternal. This is eternal. We're, we're learning lessons every day about our world. Again, even with a hurricane hitting, hitting the shores of this country once again, which is amazing. We found out yesterday we was driving back 16 years to the day. Same place. If we don't start waking up and realizing temporal world is quickly going away and start living for the eternal, we're going to miss out on a lot when the lights go out. They weren't the biggest church. They didn't have the greatest band. They didn't have the best preacher. They didn't have the best facilities or technology or kids' ministry or student ministry or a young adults' ministry. No, they, they didn't have that. They were a brand new body of believers, and they were faithful to him and faithful to his mission, and God blessed them. That's what it was. And again, there's nothing wrong with striving and growing in, in, the, in the gifts and the talents that the Lord has given to us. I think there's plenty of scriptures to show that, that we should be striving and growing. And I think there's nothing wrong with having great ministries and striving for excellence for the Lord, not for man. Having, having ministries and, and ways as a church that we can disciple and encourage and edify the body of Christ. But it's not about consumerism. Uh, well, we need to have a ministry so that other people want to come here and consume what we, we offer. No, it's about the mission. It's about the mission and who's part of it. The hand of the Lord was with the faithful. 
That's the truth, and that's point number one. The hand of the Lord was with the faithful. I'll preach this until I can't preach it anymore. What is, is unique and what's obvious in this body of believers, yet again, was their unity. Their unity in the gospel mission. It's what was propelling them. It was the key to the hand of the Lord being with them and blessing them. It wasn't that, again, they didn't say, Barnabas, you got to go up there and start speaking, man. you got these gifts of speaking. you got to do that. No, it was already happening. God was already doing it. God was already using faithful men and women. God was already working in their midst because they were faithful to share Jesus with other people. The hand of the Lord was with that group of people. They sent Barnabas to, 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 as a leader to say, listen, that's a new group of people. That's a new group of believers. That's a new church. We've got to figure out what's going on. We've got to start setting up organizations. They've got to know what the doctrines are. They've got to know. We've got to make sure. So they sent Barnabas. Barnabas says, whoo, things are going on. I've got to go get Saul and bring him back. He's a firecracker. But they were faithful to be who he called the church to be and what he called the church to do. Somebody asked, well, what's missing today then? I mean, if, if, if our church is, is going out on Saturdays and passing out tracts in the communities and we have people going out and inviting people that they run into and inviting their neighbors and inviting their coworkers and handing out tracts to people everywhere they go, if our, in our church, what's missing? Maybe it's those in our church who aren't unified. Or aren't committed or aren't faithful to the eternal work of the gospel and so you have to answer the question are you a member of this church are you are you unified committed and faithful are you a consumer as a member only showing up at church when you want and only to be a spectator? Or are you a contributor? Are you a family member? Right? Because that's, that's what happens in families. Everybody who has kids, everybody who has already raised kids, what are you trying to teach your kid to do? You're trying to teach them responsibility. And how do you do that? You help teach them to contribute to the family. Whether you, you, you give them allowance and, and teach them to steward that rightly or whether you give them chores and, and make sure that they keep those chores and do those chores or help out around the house. Why? Because they're a family member. And they're, as a family member, they, they, they are to contribute. They are a part of the family. They don't just stay up in, in some part of the house doing their own thing, never to be connected with the family, never to contribute any way. Are you a family member who actually cares about the family, right? How heart heartbreaking how hurtful is it when you find out that a child or a family member has betrayed you doesn't want to be a part of the family so I don't know it's never happened for some people it has what a heartbreaking experience to have a family member not want to be a part of what the family's doing. Are you a family member who cares about the family? Actually cares that the family's blessed. That the hand of the Lord is on the family. So much so. That you do what you can do. To ensure unity and blessing. Matthew 24. Therefore stay awake. 
You don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is, in light of that truth, who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. For truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, well, my master's delayed. God's not, Jesus isn't coming right now. We've got more time. There's more stuff that has to happen. And begins to be his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of, the ser- of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him to come. And an hour he does not know. And will come to cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Second thing we see in, the, in, the, in our text back in Acts chapter 11 is point number two. The encouragement, the charge to be intentionally true to the Lord is vital to heed for health. I mean, it's a mouthful, but that's such an important point. The encouragement or the charge that was given to those people to be intentionally true to the Lord is vital to heed for health. They had to hear that charge. God wouldn't have sent them. God wouldn't have had him say it. God wouldn't have preserved if it wasn't important. Barnabas, the Bible says, was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And what did he do when he came to them? He said, I mean, you guys are so busy about preaching the gospel. You guys are, you guys are wrapped up in all this church stuff. No, he didn't do that. He said, hey, keep going. Remain true. Stay faithful to the Lord. He didn't encourage them to do more in the world. He didn't criticize them that they were talking too much about Jesus. They should talk more about sports or entertainment or education or health or whatever. God gives us blessings in this world. But the hand of the Lord is on the faithful. I urge you to evaluate Jesus' parables. Take 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 a, a Bible study, do a Bible study, go through the parables of Jesus. You'll find that they're about his kingdom Who's a part of his kingdom and who is blessed in his kingdom? Who is judged in his kingdom? And you know what it boils down to? Faith in him alone and faithfulness to him alone. You say, well, Brother Kyle, you act like our entire lives should be consumed with Jesus and and serving him and be faithful to the church and, and his mission. That's what Jesus taught. That's what I want to strive for. That's what I think we all should strive for. Far from hitting the mark, I don't know that anybody is hitting a home run every time. That's what we should be striving for. So that's what we must heed. We can start with faithfulness. If he is my God, if he truly is my God, there can be no others before him. Let me ask you this question, Christian. Can you honestly say there are no other gods before my God? He is everything to me. Not my kids, not my spouse, not my job, not my stuff, not my entertainment. There's nothing that's more important than my Jesus. If we hope to see growth as individuals, if we hope to see healthy spiritual growth as a church, We have to be intentional. 
making a deliberate effort to be true and faithful to the Lord. And so you have to answer that question, am I? Am I taking a daily concerted effort to be intentional, to be faithful to the Lord every day, every week? As Barnabas did then, I'm doing now. Be true, be faithful to the Lord. Stay true, stay faithful to his church. I say, I do what I do for my kids and my family because they're my first ministry. And I would say, yes, absolutely. Your family is your first ministry, but it is in the context of God's community. It is. No one and no family is an island. Jesus made that very clear. Your kids, my kids, are to experience a godly home and a godly upbringing in the midst of the community of believers that God has placed us in. That's God's design. All of us are. Again, you want to do a study? I urge you to study the old beginning. We were me in community. When God said these words, it is not good that man would be alone. That wasn't just about having a wife. That wasn't just that, that Adam was a little bit of a, a, a numbskull as a man, <laughs> that he was going to need a helper. It wasn't just about that. It was part of God's design. What did he say? Let us make man in our image. And when he saw man being alone, he said, it's not good that man was alone, so he made woman for him. And then he told him to do what? Be fruitful and multiply. And he said, amen. But you know what? That's not just about having a family. That's about being a part of God's community. Because how do you know? Follow Abraham and his family from Isaac to Jacob, then to Moses and the people of God, and even in the wilderness and the tabernacle, and then to Jerusalem and the temple. All in the context of the collective, the congregation, coming today to the church, the building of God, the, 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 the work, the, the body of Christ. Our lives should revolve around Jesus. We are his building. Our lives should revolve around Jesus, not around sports, not around work, not around entertainment. And guess what, Americans, us, not around us. Our lives don't revolve around us. They are to revolve around Jesus. Next, as we saw Barnabas, he was sent under the authority of the church, not of the Lone Ranger either. Barnabas wasn't sent out as, as this, this, this guy who was, who was to do his own thing. No, he was sent out as a missionary, an encourager for the church in Jerusalem. He was sent on a mission to go to Antioch, and there he made sure that they stayed intentionally faithful to the Lord. And as it's been through this entire study of the church, we see the connection to and the submission to the Lord in and through his church. Listen, we know it is not about a pastor or a leadership. It's about Jesus. But I have to say this. If someone has a problem with the design of God and setting up leaders in the church and the leaders he has set up, then they have a problem with God because it's his design. No man's perfect. No man will hit the mark 100%. But when we know that God has ordained leadership in the church, when we have a problem with that, we have a problem with God. Barnabas was submitted to God, so he was submitted to the church. 
It's just the condition of the heart. Barnabas could have said, well, why are you sending me? Barnabas could have said, well, I'll go, but I hear what you're saying you want me to do, but I, I'm going to do this. It was a condition of the heart. I share that because there's been a departure and a diminishing of the importance of Jesus' church. Not by the world. I mean, the world has, the, the world has looked at the church in, in recent history, I think, and, and gone, <laughs> right. And the reason why is because the world has so permeated the church today. There are certain denominations. I don't know that I can call church. I'm not God. I can't say who's his church or not. I mean, unless they're preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. And there are some churches that are holding to abominations as being okay. And even ordaining people who are living lifestyles that are abominable to God. That's not a church. If a church ordains a homosexual, that's a spit in the face of God. Again, we wonder how, how effective is the church in our nation today. Again, look at that. that that's just one slice. But then you, you, go, you come into churches like ours and you have to answer questions like we're, we're asking this morning. You, you have to answer the, those questions. Is Jesus my everything? Is my life revolving around him? Is it all, is our, is our family completely engaged? Are we about the eternal mission? Does it matter? Is, is, is the thing, are the things of God most important to us? Again, there's been a diminishing of the importance of Jesus' church by professing Christians. His church, for those who say they're a part of his church, is just not that important anymore. Not for everybody. You may be here and you say, man, well, I, I love our church. I, I'm, I'm trying to get the gospel out. I'm trying to invite people. I, I, I'm trying to make sure that people hear Jesus. I'm trying to serve and encourage and use my gifts. I want to see God's hand on this place. I want to, I want to be a part of something that's eternal. I want to see God do miracles. I, I'm all in. Praise God. Keep doing it. Be an encouragement. Be an example. Be that leader you're being. But you got one foot in and one foot out, just kind of waiting for the next big thing to happen before you bounce. killing me smalls <laughs> the honest preacher would say stop it <laughs> we're, we wonder why we're in such a slide as a culture and I want you to hear these words and we wonder why the church is so easily divided over the dumbest temporal issues Why? We have the Holy Spirit of Almighty God who spoke nothing out of nothing, everything out of nothing. Living in each one of us if, we, if we're Christians. And yet we let whatever fad, whatever season, whatever attack, whatever temporal thing comes along, and we can be divided. Are we not in Christ alone? Every time a wave of, of, of attack from the enemy comes to divide a nation, you know what should happen with the church? The church, because we are so about Jesus, because we are so together and so faithful and so on mission, eternal mission together, you know what should happen in the church? We should go, Vroom. let's be the church. 
Let's be the light in this time. You know what happens? Because we're so about ourselves, so about our jobs, so about other, so many other things, and not about the eternal mission of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. When eternal things come on, we start going to social media, we start dividing each other up, we start talking behind each other's backs, and we start dividing the church that Jesus is trying to build. We are in Christ alone, and the spirit of the living God is living in us. Christians should hold the church and expressly this local church that he has placed us in in high esteem and considered an eternal importance to them. Because it's eternally important to Jesus. Enough so that he died to purchase the church. Paul eventually told the Ephesian elders, elders this in Acts chapter 20. When we get there, he says, be on guard for yourselves. He's telling the pastors there. And for all the flock of God among the, whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. How important is the church to Jesus? He died to purchase us with his own blood. He didn't use somebody else. He used his own blood to purchase us. Again, we need, we, we need to heed the charge as I close. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We should be thinking every day, how can I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ? How, how can I be an encouragement and a help to, 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 to push other believers in the church and other believers outside of the church that go to another church, how can, I, how can I be used to push them to be more faithful to the Lord, to be more about the things of God? And in doing so, don't forsake our own assembling together. As some people have that habit, they, they just kind of come in and go out. But don't do that. You should be encouraging one another, and you should do it even more and more as you see the day drawing near. Paul would eventually write to the Philippians to stay true to the mission. We had this our theme a couple years ago in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or else remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm together in one, one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want to echo these faithful witnesses, and I want to encourage you and urge you this morning. Don't be more committed to the things and the activities of this world than you are to the things of God. I want to challenge you this morning to make that commitment. You know what? I could lose my job tomorrow. I could. I could lose my life tomorrow. We're not promised today. I could lose my family tomorrow. Job, most righteous man, hand of God, most blessed man on the earth. What happened? Boom. Everything gone. Boom, family gone. Why me, God? <laughs> it all can be gone in a moment, all temporal. You will give an account one day, but Matthew 24 says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. The last point is this. The name of Christian should still carry a significant meaning. The name Christian should still carry a significant meaning. See, then it did, it meant something. It meant Kind of what's going on, I think, in Afghanistan right now for some of our brothers and sisters, right? That name Christian is very significant. Not for a good reason. <laughs> not, not over there. Find out you're a Christian, what's going to happen to you? I'm concerned that it's more of a name tag than a lifestyle for many. Hopefully not in this church, but maybe for some in this church. 
These believers were so different that the name of Christian was given to them by the world. Those are the people. That's what it looks like. Those, that group right there, that, that's those people we're talking about. They're of the way. They, they, they are the followers of Christ. They're, they're Christians. It wasn't a badge of honor in man's eyes, but it was contempt and ridicule. Today, the concern is that the lifestyle of the Christian so melds with that of the world that the two can be seen at the same place doing the same things but dishonor God. 